The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here, author of the Cannabis Business Book. And you're listening to the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, where I chat with and coach the highest performing entrepreneurs in the cannabis industry. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. The Cannabis Business Coach. Hi, Mike Z here. And on today's episode of the Cannabis Business Coach Podcast, I have the very lovely and talented, productive, and inspirational Jenny RG, founder of Jenny's Baked at Home. And Jenny, I, I'm, I'm delighted to have you here to be able to talk about New York and the industry and your journey. Um, I hope you have some products not too far away that you could at least show the folks who are watching. But in the meantime, um, you know, perhaps we'll get to that. But can you do me a favor and just introduce yourself and, and let the viewers know who you are and what you do and what's Jenny's Baked at Home? Is Jenny Baked at Home right now? <laughs> <laughs> also, thank you so much, Mike, for having me. And it's always good to see you. Um, I always felt, feel a, a kindred spirit with um, my fellow New York cannabis people. Um, so I, I'm Jenny from Jenny's Baked at Home. I started uh, roughly around five or six years ago when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was looking for an alternative to um, mostly pain medication at the time to go through my procedure. And then um, I segued into CBD as a replacement for tamoxifen. And I opted out of uh, chemo and radiation, but just surgically had the cancer removed. But I came from 14, 15 years of designing and manufacturing uh, children's furniture that was green and sustainable and E-zero, meaning formaldehyde free before that was the thing. So I, I was familiar with product and I was also familiar with um, sustainable and green uh, d product development. So when I looked around, there wasn't a lot of product at the time for women like me going more for health and wellness perspective versus uh, a recreational perspective. It, still, it was a little, a little bro-centric still at the time. Um, a lot of products have come onto the market since. But I just needed to figure out a way that I could use CBD every day. And uh, I started researching and that I really believed that cannabis for thousands of years was used to cook with and steep with and food. And so I thought, you know, I got to figure out a way to bring in the cannabinoids back into my life and or into my life and encourage the endocannabinoid system to do its thing and sort of preventative and cure it and kind of not necessarily cure, but, but maybe discourage the cancer from, from um, entering parts, other parts of my body. So that's, that, was what, that was my story um, with cannabis in the beginning. And since it's uh, flourished into many other people's lives, and that could be um, for sleep issues or uh, Parkinson's or stress. And so I've just developed a suite of products for myself that also work for other people. And yeah, I'll try to bring some of my products onto the into the screen here in a minute. Um, and I was three years ago, uh, I uh, entered the hemp pilot program with the ads and market department in New York. Uh, one of the 
first license holders, uh, seed to sale license holders for CBD. So I've been researching it uh, under the Ags and Market Department for the last few years. Uh, I, I outsourced from Kentucky to California. I always look for organic grows and the highest quality. And, um, and currently I'm in the process of setting up a facility in an extraction, manufacturing, processing, um, and distribution facility in upstate New York in, in the town of Stuyvesant, about 15 miles from Hudson. So that sort of takes me to where I am today is I still have, I have a line of products. I'm, I'm coming online at, with an extraction facility and uh, I'm just a major advocate for the plants, all, all all-encompassing you know, all every cannabinoid. Wonderful. So just to ask a quick follow-up question, I'm wondering, was there like a particular moment you remember when it all clicked or when you you know, made the decision that you're going to go all in on this path? I think what excited me the most was not seeing products for women on the market. So that's, I think, was my sort of not all in moment, but definitely at least a foot or two in. And I think it was my first call with a fellow cancer survivor breast cancer survivor and the journey I went with her for for two or three months with my products made me realize that I had this was bigger than me and I needed and at the time nobody really knew what CBD was and it was my responsibility to take the stigma away and to champion the plant and mm. for maybe women my age or my demographic or um or the east coast or new york so i think at that moment it was my i found it to be my responsibility that i was fortunate enough to get cancer to use the plant to uh heal myself and also maybe prevent another disease or an illness down the road but bigger and better to help other people was you know, such a, a wonderful calling, especially my time in my life when my kids are kind of grown and, uh, you know, to be able to nurture with this plant, what a gift. That was my, I think my all in moment. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jenny, I'm curious because, you know, you mentioned your background in entrepreneurship pre-CBD, pre-cannabis, and a lot of the folks who listen to the show and watch the show are you know, professionals, business people that want to get into cannabis and get into the industry or might want to start a business. And so I'm wondering that transition from children's furniture to cannabis, you know, it's not exactly, you know, I don't immediately see like the transferable, you know, kind of knowledge or, or whatnot. And I'm always a big proponent of telling people, you know, bring whatever skills you have into this industry, there's a need for it. So I'm, I'm curious if you can describe a little bit of how you made that transition. Um, and perhaps, you know, if, if you find that this industry really is different from doing business in other industries, or if you know, at the end of the day, it's fundamentally business is business, 
supply and demand, you know, PL, whatever. Um, I'm curious to get your take there. That's that it's it's great because it's I'm I'm for first and foremost, uh, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm passionate about it, but I have to have this the product or the subject has to be passionate to me for me to be good at this it at at, at the R and D at the R and D level of it at the sales level of it at the passion of putting it out to the public. Uh, my last business it it wasn't that far off from this, and it I know it sounds like a far stretch. It was modern children's furniture, but at the time nobody was doing modern children's furniture when I entered the market in New York. Uh, I kind of, there was a, a mini, mini mod movement, I think we called it. Uh, and, um, and also I was a, a woman who had just had, uh, I, I think I had two, I have three children, but I had two at the time. So I was sort of this mompreneur, uh, this new sort of um, entrepreneur of women that instead of going back to the workplace, we were starting our own businesses. So um, I'm going to say that I don't think it was, it's that far off of me as an entrepreneur in, in a bit, kind of a male centric, uh, industry, which hasn't always been the case. Women in the cannabis space were, were, were some of the pioneers in the beginning, but now it's sort of turned more towards, uh, I think a little bit more, um, male dominant, but, uh, when I designed the furniture, I always had sustainability and um, and green in mind. So when I sourced my furniture, I always made sure the wood was um, the, the you know the highest grade um, forestry that would be you know regrowth. I wasn't um, I was using plywood that was uh, minimizing the amount of wood that we were using. I was using formaldehyde-free glues so that when it did break down, the decom it decomposed into the soil naturally without leaving a, a toxic footprint, which is what I do in the cannabis space. I make sure that I source organic grows. I make sure that there's no heavy metals or toxins in my, in my product. I do a lot of testing, very, very similar to what I did in the furniture industry. And then also understand that, you know, you have a product, but you need to educate people on why to buy that product. So if I was selling modern children's furniture, what did that mean? That meant um, that it had, you, did you want off-gassing for your, for your newborn baby? Or did you want a green product that was healthy? And did you, after the life of that piece of furniture, did you want it to contaminate the water system or did you want it to decompose naturally just like a wood product would into the earth without all of these toxins? Um, so I think that I took a lot of my knowledge, um, both working with customers and working with material uh, and took that product development to cannabis. So I think, I think it was very similar. Um, and I think you're right. Um, this industry is a business like any other business. I think in the beginning, the, the sort of the, the green rush and the, the dot pot frenzy of everybody needing to jump on and make the, you know, win the lottery overnight. 
was too good to be true. And it obviously was. So it's a slow growth like anything else. And our laws are changing by the minute. When I started this business, Mike, it was schedule. CPD was a schedule one. I could have been, I could have been imprisoned for, for, for producing a tincture at the time. So if you don't, what, what's different than another industry is that you don't, you don't have history and you don't have a, you don't have a, uh, a blueprint to go from. Whereas the furniture industry, I could have put it, I could have whiteboarded it and said, all right, my end customer will be Toys R Us. And I, I did that. I, I got, to, my last customer was Walmart and I had Toys R Us and I was international sales. And I could set that vision up and realistically hit it if I worked hard enough. This industry, we don't really know what our future is because we don't have a history. Mm. So it's, it's, it's business like any other business, but it, it's ever changing. So you will have to be ready and thick skinned and pivot with it. And if you need definite answers, it's probably not the right business for you to be in because there's so much gray matter that you have to be comfortable in that space. That sort of floating space. Yep, certainly. Um, wow. Amazing. I'm, I'm curious if there's a big win or highlight, maybe a proud moment from, you know, I'm sure there are several over the last, you know, what is it? Six years that you've been running this company, but I'm, I'm wondering if there are any like standout wins that really, um, you know, make you feel like, wow, this was, it was all the struggle, all the uncertainty, all of the challenges are all worth it for, you know, moments like this. And I, you know, I, I don't mean to sound, um, I don't mean to sound, sound, you know, repetitive or redundant, but, it, but I'm just going to keep harping back to my customers really make it all worth it for me. When I receive messages that their their life is better because of the products that I deliver. That makes the world of difference to me. It makes me continue to want to do what I'm doing and 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 continue to find even more cannabinoids that would help people. What if there is that one cannabinoid out there that could maybe reverse depression? or slow depression down or something so, so big and wonderful that would impact somebody's life. And if I have been gifted the ability to research this plant, then that's, that's the win for me. It's every day that I get to hear that feedback from customers. Um, and I, and I get, and I have the physical means to continue to, to grow this business and, and look for more ways of helping people with this plant, I, I'm all in, no matter what. And no matter if I'm you know, told I'm not able to do it because of legal matters, again, like it's still such a passion for me because it's, it's, a, uh, it's a life-changing plant for people. Love that. Yeah. And I can tell you, you started out our conversation talking about the passion for, 
for the plant and for the patients. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's possible to harp on that too much. So, you know, if you want to keep pounding on that drum, I will be right there with you. Um, <laughs> so Jenny, let me ask you, you know, New York, obviously there's going to be more changes coming soon, given New Jersey legalizing and, you know, it looks like the East Coast is finally going to start making some significant progress towards regulating cannabis and, and changing the way that uh, cannabis commerce happens. So I'm wondering, you know, given these new hemp regulations that were just announced and are in the, um, what is it called? The is it commentary, public commentary period. You know, I'm curious, you know, as an operator who's in the space, who's been, who was one of the first in New York to, to have, you know, that kind of vertical hemp situation. What, what do you make of it? Where, where do you like how things are developing? Do you see, you know, the future of the CBD and hemp product market? Hemp? Yeah. Do, do you see that as a brighter future? Do you think things are moving in the right direction or what, what, what's your take as an operator? I think one of the most exciting parts of the transition for me was when I saw the new subject. Instead of, instead of it being the hemp pilot program, which is what it was called under the markets, um, ads and markets department, they renamed it the cannabinoid hemp, I think it's called the cannabinoid hemp program. Is that what it's called? I think that's the name of it. But the, so. the, the big the, the big word for me was that they added cannabinoid. That is the first time I've seen that used in a government, way, unless they were trying to tell us we couldn't use a cannabinoid. It was, it was slanted in a positive way. For the first time I saw cannabinoid used as, wow, we could actually research cannabinoids and find other uses for the other cannabinoids. And you guys are allowing us this platform to do it in. It is definitely, I think, slanted in our favor. We never know. Again, you never really know until the regulations roll out. Um, I do know that there's a lot of um, hoops and and uh, barriers that we have to break down um, to get there. We have to be what's called C, uh, CGMP, currently Good Manufacturing Practice Facility, which is an expensive um, setup. Not necessarily, it's a lot of, um, of paperwork and, and SOPs and that sort of thing. But when you're setting up an extraction or processing facility, you have to set it up at the same caliber as a pharmaceutical company. So your walls have to be, you know, um, CGMP, every single detail has to be of, uh, of that caliber. So th that is, it's um, strenuous, it's, uh, it's costly, uh, and it's, it's very time consuming. So it's 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 a bit of it's it's a bit of a struggle for some people to transition, and I hope a lot of us are able to transition, and 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 we are approved for the new license. We're now currently grandfathered in with a temporary license until early January, when 
the Department of Health rolls out the regulations. But I think what it's going to do, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is it sounds like from what I've read, it's going to be very structured as um, the alcohol and tobacco industry is. So it all needs to either have um, either uh, grown, manufactured, or, um, or brought in through, a through distribution or a distributor through New York so that the, the taxation can happen within the state and it be regulated. So we're both gonna have quality control with that, but we'll also have very clear channels of where our cannabis is coming from. So the government can, can kind of track and trace it, I guess. Right, right. So, you know, you make a great point about the, the language, the cannabinoid. I, I was just, I, I did a panel last night on New Jersey and one of my panelists, Leo Bridgewater, pointed out how in New Jersey, the language on the bill says, or I guess it's not a bill anymore. Well, I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> that the language says a form of marijuana called cannabis or like, <laughs> you know, something like that ridiculous. So I, I think you're, you're right. And finally seeing cannab cannabinoid used as a good word, not like as the devil you know, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I haven't dug into the, the the proposed hemp regulations in New York, like in, in much detail, but from the, the handful of folks I've spoken with that live and breathe that stuff, you know, they seem pretty excited about it. They, they you know, the thing that I heard that was most interesting is that it, it creates an avenue for hemp farmers to sell into the cannabis supply chain and to, to basically, you know, derive those cannabinoids, whatever cannabinoids from hemp and sell that into, you know, the traditionally very segregated cannabis market, which I, I think is a pretty big deal. I see you nodding along a little bit. So I'm wondering, you know, what, what do you make of that? Or do you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, above and beyond, we have to give support to the farmers. It's without the seed and the, and the plant being nurtured and loved and grown in, in an organic, clean, beautiful way, we, our end product would be crap. So let's, let's, let's pay the due diligence, you know, let's pay the credit where credit's given to these farmers. But if we're not setting up some type of regulation within the state, somebody can grow in, in Ohio where maybe it's cheaper and then truck in the, the cannabis into New York and dump it on the market. And how about all of these New York farmers that have spent, you know, the, you know a whole season, har you know, and then, then they have this harvest and they, they can do nothing with it because the, because the you know, industry was just flooded. So thankfully, they're going to come in and start to help the farmers. And then, then obviously, that will help me because I can buy the biomass and extract it. And then if you take off the shelves of all of this product that's coming in from God knows where, we don't know, and, um, and allowing us to offer the public a great product that's grown in, in New York. I mean, I understand free trade and I'm all for that. 
but we have to get kind of hold of it a little bit first and understand that the the, the product is a it's a domestic plant and it's the the locale is important for for the verticality of it so you know bringing it in and, and moving it and shuffling it all over is i don't know if we're ready for that yet we haven't figured out what the what the standards are for this product are yet and, and where it's being made and where it's being manufactured you know where it's being grown where it's being manufactured and where it's being sold I mean, how many times in the last couple of years have I told people not to buy their CBD from a gas station? You know, so, but, but that, that's a, that, that coming out of my mouth is not going to come out of my mouth in a year or two. It's just not, it, it's just, things are going to change. You're not, I mean, you, you don't go buy your vitamin C from the, from the drug, from the, from the gas station or your, your antioxidants. You don't. So right. it should be treated the same way. And it's of that, you know, it's of that uh, uh, importance for your body, for your cannabinoid system that you are bringing in the right cannabinoids to your body and you don't want it filled with heavy metals and toxins. And Yeah, so along those lines, I want to circle back for a moment. You mentioned, um, you know, the need to educate consumers and customers and how that's really, you know, something that transferred over from when you were in the furniture business to now in the cannabinoid hemp business, we'll call it. <laughs> um, I'm curious in your experience, you know, where is the biggest gap in consumer understanding of, of cannabinoids or of how to find or assess quality products? Um, and has that changed in the last six years? Do, do you feel like that gap has, has shrunk or, or by and large, do most consumers still not really even get the basics? Well, I, I think there, it's still a, a mystery. I think m I would guess that more than you know, more than 75% of the population probably still thinks it's snake oil. And, and then the other population, there might be 5% that are very clear on how to use it and what it's good for. And then that other 20% are still wondering how to dose with it. So educating people that it's not snake oil is a big feat. And then educating people how to use it without, I, I mean, obviously we can't call them patients. Um, we can't, you know, we're not, we have a, we're not allowed to treat this. It hasn't been until the last couple months that we actually are able now in New York to call it a dietary supplement out loud. Um, so for a long time, our, 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 our verbiage and our, our, our language had to be very careful. So having to be very careful is also not able to tell people actually how to use it, you know, for, for what, for what uses to use it. So you're, you are kind of constantly tiptoeing around like it's, 
it's good for sleep. Why is it good for sleep? Well, it's good for sleep because it opens up circulation. More oxygen in the body is great for healing, um, for releasing, um, you know, maybe clogged arteries or the more, you know, the more the body moves like yoga. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's true. Like that's what I call it the lazy man's yoga because it opens up circulation, more oxygen to parts of the body, the more healing we get, just like we would doing yoga or meditating, the more we're opening up circulation in the body. Well, that's what CBD does. It, it, it encourages the blood flow to happen without and, and reducing the inflammation and telling those receptors how to do that. So, but, uh, you know, so, and that can, that can have all sorts of other great, you know, it's good for, it's an anti-inflammatory. It's great for sleep. When you're uh, circulated, you're less stressed because, you know, your body is, it's tense. And there's not a lot of um, constriction happening in your body. So it can be, you know, after you do a good like yoga power session, you tend to be a lot more relaxed. Well, you've got more oxygen flowing to your body. You're a little less stressed. It's just, it's more oxygen to the brain. The more you're going to think better, chill out a little bit and get healing going. So, I mean, obviously I'm making claims right now and I'm really not allowed to make those claims until these regulations come out. And when my facility is set up and I'm CGMP and I'm actually able to do the research and to publish it and work with Cornell and work with other institutions, that's when we'll really, really get to show all the work I've been doing for five or six years. Because right now, mine is anecdotal. Mine is, I have a customer. They've been my customer for four years and they've been my customer because they have Parkinson's. And it's reduced their illness um, or slowed it down. So, and I can then go and maybe study that or work with somebody who's studying Parkinson's and I can supply the cannabinoids to them um, or we can do it all in-house. So I think there's a lot of still uh, medically, there's the gap because we haven't been able to, to discuss it uh, freely. Um, we've sort of been talking out of both sides of our mouth. Um, we, um, we will, we'll, we will be able to treat it like a dietary supplement and tell people how to dose with it for specific, um, conditions. Um, but you know, again, it's a dietary supplement, so it's not meant to cure or prevent, but, um, but at least we can say it's been known to help. Um, with people in this and, and, and the more legal we get, the more studies will be on the market, um, not just coming from Israel. So I, I just wanted to shout out in the Twitch chat, Chris says medical doctors need to begin getting on board with this. And I think Jenny, I see you're agreeing. I totally agree. And unfortunately, a lot of the medical community doesn't have much education about cannabinoids and and you know for the reasons you mentioned you know the lack of research you know the lack of um you know funding. i guess funding and and scientific data you know there's a ton of anecdotal evidence and there's a ton of research actually you know as you mentioned from israel and europe from all over the world you know we have a lot of a lot of good data that says hey cannabis hemp cannabinoids all of these things help with a bunch of stuff but you know, we're still 
to your point, limited from, from actually making those claims, um, you know, and can be penalized in a big way for making those claims. That being said, you know, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling risky. I'm feeling the, 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 the thirst for adventure. So I'm going to ask you to, to go out on, go out on the limb here with me and say, hypothetically speaking, if one were wanting to add cannabinoids into their diet or into their health regime, just as a, you know, prophylactic measure, like a vitamin C or a multivitamin, what might that look like? And, you know, I, I'll, I'll preface that for a second by just saying, you know, for the folks who may not be aware, you know, before cannabis prohibition, before industrial agriculture really came to be what it is now that the beast that it is today, we all had a bunch of cannabinoids in our diet. The animals that we were eating were eating hemp. And then, you know, there were all these other ways that cannab cannabinoids were getting into our diet, which was good for us. And, you know, for a long time, we've now been deficient. So just wanted to put that out there. But I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Jenny, to, to answer my very hypothetical, non-prescriptive question. That's amazing because I, that's one of the things I, 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 um, I discuss in my talks is that it, grow, it grew like a weed. I mean, we called it a weed because it grew so easily. It, it also was awesome for the soil, it cleaned the soil. Um, yeah, our animals ate it, then we ate animals. We, we would pull it and steep with it and cook with it. Um, we would mix different herbs with it. We, it was illegal during Jamestown, during Jamestown not to grow it. You could use it for taxes, trade your taxes. It was, it, it was called, um, you know, soap to rope. So you used it on your skin for, you know, it's great for your receptors on your skin all the way into, you know, the depths of your bowels. So yeah, we've been using it for thousands of years. We just recently, a hundred years ago, stopped using it. So we're having to really learn. Um, back to one of the questions you said, and it's, it'll segue into it, is that I think one of also the misnomers is that more is better. So when it grew like a, when it grew like a weed, the cannabinoids all grew at the same level. So we didn't have high levels of THC and, you know, high levels of Delta nine and, you know, everything that the Delta eight and the Delta nine were there and the CB one and the CB two, you know, the, the, uh, I mean, the CBN and the CBG um, and the CBD would have all grown at the same levels. Um, so now that we're isolating those cannabinoids, I think we're, and especially as humans today, like more is better. And we think that, you know, it's, but if you, if you take a copious amount of vitamin C, chances are you're going to have some, you know, some not so positive results from that. You'll be in the bathroom for probably a long time, but same will goes with cannabis. You don't want to overdo it. Not for, not yes, we all know what the THC part, but we don't know if the CBD or CBN or CBGs are crystallizing at huge amounts in the liver. We're, we're not sure. So we, we need to make sure that we're practicing um, moderation with our cannabinoids and we need to use it for what it's good for. So if you suffer from epilepsy and severe 
you know, gram mole seizures a day, then your CBD level is going to be much higher because your cannabinoid level is low. Um, your inner cannabinoid system well is low and it can use more, but not everybody needs huge amounts of cannabinoids or huge amounts of, of antioxidants. You need what your body is. You need to figure out what your dose is. And that is where you're the person who wrote in with, if we could get more medical doctors involved, but this is also asking medical doctors to believe in supplements. And, and I, we're a pharmaceutical society. We believe in, 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 in treating, not preventing. So it's, it's our job to champion the cannabis plant as a preventative. It, obviously we know that it can be, um, it can help once you have a disease, but, but also to use it preventively. So every day, um, use it uh, as what we call, um, we combine it with an, an MCT, a medium chain triglyceride, which is good for the body. It's the good fat um, to add to the body. And cannabinoids love to be combined with an MCT. It really works well with, with um, absorbing into our, into our organs and uh, healing tissue damage and promoting, uh, promoting healing. So I would say that, uh, if you wanted to use it every day, yeah, you could use a tincture and use that sublingually, or you could use an infused olive oil or coconut oil and just, um, finish your food with it. Maybe 20 to 30 milligrams a day throughout the day. I always start with smaller milligrams in the morning and I work my way to more milligrams in the evening. Me, I do 30 to 50 milligrams a day, but the average person needs 10 to 20 most throughout the day up till the evening. Um, and that, that I think would, 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 would round the edges and promote circulation and keep you, keep you youthful. So, Jenny, I have a question here from Twitch, there, which is one of the most common questions I get asked. And I'll share my answer, but I'm curious to hear yours first, which is, you know, there are so many CBD brands out there. How can you tell which ones are legit and which ones are trash? And those are the words of Chris. I'm not calling them trash, although, you know, I think there is a ton of snake oil out there. So... You know, and also there's stuff out there that's dirty and not only will not give you the positive benefits, but can actually make things worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious what, what advice you have there for people, for, for consumers and patients? Yeah. Well, we, we talked about this uh, don't, earlier. Don't buy your CBD from the gas station. Uh, start there. Like, just like cross that like off. Um, you know, I, I guess... The, the thing is, is that I'll get people say, oh, I, I buy my CBD from the health food store. So therefore it must be good. And well, I, you know, they just because it, it's, it's the wild west still. We don't know just because it's selling in a, in a health food store doesn't have a seal of approval. It can be coming from anywhere. The most important thing is to make sure that you're purchasing it from somebody that, that's listing what we call COAs certificate of authenticity. So if you go on to a website, make sure that they're, they're listing the product COA. And in that COA, you'll see 
um, that if it's been tested for heavy metals, that's what could hurt you. Um, that can give you cancer. Uh, any sort of uh, toxins, and those toxins would be pesticides. So in this country, we're not allowed to use pesticides to grow uh, cannabis, but it could go further if, with an organic growth that your soil was tested for any heavy metals. Um, so you really want to reach out to that manufacturer and ask them at what level, I mean, obviously, are they getting their lab? Are they having their, their products tested by a third party lab? Are they, but you can ask things like how organic is your product? Is the soil organic that the seeds came, that grew in, in you know, in is, um, was it uh, manufactured at a CGMP facility? Um, is it, is it, does it come from the United States? So those are, those are important questions because other countries allow pesticides uh, on, with, their, with their cannabis grow, but we don't. So that's very important that, that it's grown in the US because that at least, and if it's grown under, the, under one of the programs, like the hemp pilot program or now the cannabinoid um, program, uh, that you will be monitored and you will, there will be a blockchain and you'll have to be able to say every single step of the way, how clean was it? How organic was it? How much was it tested? Where did it come from? Right. And you know, of course, maybe too winded, but no, 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 not at all. Um, yeah. And hemp is a bioaccumulator. So anything that's in the soil, the plant is being grown in, it's gonna pull into the plant. So if, to Jenny's point, if you're using pesticides or you're growing it in, you know, dirty soil that has uh, residual heavy metals or, or any other kind of junk in it, the plant is gonna pull that into it. And so any, you, you know, someone in the chat said, you don't want that CBD hemp from Russia. And, you know, I think that there's a fun fact that, um, I guess not so fun actually, but when the Chernobyl tragedy happened, they actually planted hemp all over to pull radiation out of the soil afterwards to try to clean the soil. Obviously you don't want that hemp in your, yeah. I mean, not that it's on the market, but um, that would no, be but, an explosive brand. Yeah, but to, to, to what you're saying, um, that's what China between crops uses cannabis to clean the soil because it's very, you know, it's heavily polluted in, in areas of China because of heavy in, industrial um, industry in those areas. I, I manufactured in China, so I, I know that there are ways that you can, you can find organic and green in China, but it's very, you have to really search for that and um, and it exists, but China for years would use cannabis to clean their soil in between crops. And then when CBD became popular, they would extract the CBD and sell it. And at one point, as you remember, we were only allowed to sell imported CBD. And that was all, <laughs> all coming from China. And we later discovered it was so high in heavy metals and toxicity that it would, that it all had to be discarded. You know, most, or I mean, we don't know really what's cut, what's, 
I remember the very beginning, I would go into, you know, a head shop or something and they would have CBD for sale. And I would ask where the CBD came from and they would say Amsterdam. And as if <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was cool, right? So, but I used to say, well, do you know where Amsterdam's getting their CBD? because chances are they're getting it from China. So, you know, we have to question just because it comes from the cool Amsterdam doesn't mean it's good. Right. And yeah, it's like anything that you're putting in your body, you should go and do some research and know what it is that you're ingesting, where it comes from, who made it and how it might affect you. Um, Jenny, I want to ask you, you know, for the bros, <laughs> for, for, for the people who might be viewing or watching and, you know, say, man, forget about CBD. I'm, I'm more of a THC kind of guy or gal. I don't need CBD. It doesn't do anything for me. You know, help those folks understand why in fact if you're a, a high thc consumer you really probably do want some cbd in your diet can you speak yeah. to that um, we it this has been a great um interview because we've touched on so many important parts of this and we and it's, it's awesome because we keep circling back to things we discussed earlier and we, we talked about when it grew like a weed on the side of the road. And um, I, I'm, um, I grew up, you know, I was born in the seventies and I went to high school in the eighties. And when you smoked a joint in the eighties, you know, you, you got high, but you, you weren't drooling in the corner of the room. And, you know, now, now, now the THC levels are so high that you've almost, you've reduced those cannabinoids growing at the same level. So you're not getting your CBN or your CBG or your CBDs or even your Delta eights. Everything is sort of off whack because you've, we've genetically modified it um, or spliced it or, you know, played with it, um, played with our, uh, our genetics and, 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 and just fine and awesome. And we've come up with some beautiful strains um, but you've lost some of the other attributes of the plant. So it's important that you bring in the other cannabinoids and that could be CBD, could be CBN, CBG. I mean, we're finding all the other um, cannabinoids to be, to activate parts of our receptors. So I think what's important is remember that THC hits the receptors in the brain and CBD hits the receptors in the body. So what a home run if you can get high and then also open up the receptors in the body to, to heal. And if, you're, if your brain receptors is telling, if your brain receptors are telling your body to do things like uh, repair a, you know, a, a torn muscle and you introduce CBD as an anti-inflammatory, then you've just created a home run. Your, your, your brain is now working with your body and the CBD is now opening up and doing its job in the body. So you're having a great evening and you're healing. 
So it's important to add and play with the different cannabinoids because they were meant to grow at the same level and to be used that way. Right. So just uh, I'll sprinkle in a, a fun fact there on how did that happen? Why did that happen? And partially it's because of law enforcement, right? It's because all of these traditionally outdoor farmers were forced to hide and run indoors. And, you know, ironically, the war on drugs created this environment where growers went indoors and then started breeding for THC and, and creating these super high THC plants and, and really accelerating the evolutionary process for that cannabinoid and kind of, you know, at the expense of other cannabinoids. And, you know, we are now making up for it, I believe. And, you know, in the next several years, we'll probably see a whole bunch of new or previously, you know, undiscovered, un unutilized, underutilized cannabinoids becoming, you know, like you, you alluded to earlier, CBG, CBN, you know, for, I feel like a lot of people don't even know those. They just hear of CBD and that's like been the it cannabinoid for yeah. the last few years. But yeah. imagine we're going to see many more on the scene. And I, I just have to say, Jenny, if, if you were born in the 70s, then obviously CBD is helping to keep you youthful. And, you know, I got to get some CBD for, for, for my loved ones to keep them youthful as well, because it, it seems to be working. Uh, I, I want to do a quick time check, because uh, I know we're coming up on the hour, but I would love to ask you a few, maybe one or two more questions, and then go into the coaching piece. So I just want to be mindful of your time and see if you have, you know, like another 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So my, my last or one of my last questions for you is the CBD product space is super crowded, super competitive. You know, how have you survived for six years? What, what about you or your brand or your products has allowed you to, to have longevity in, in this space where so many have already tried and failed? And where, you know, the competition is, is pretty immense and yeah, it's, it's hard to stand out. So I'm wondering, you know, what about you or your, your company has allowed you to, to survive and, and, and sustain and persevere? Uh, state power is, is important. Uh, if you can, if, I, I wasn't in it to win it. I think that's probably one of the biggest, the biggest survival points of me was I knew that there was going to be waves that I had to ride. I also created a tribe of customers. And so through the years, those customers, I have compounded and have kept me in business both physically and mentally to write it out. So I told you that my last company, I, I sold to big box accounts like Toys R Us and Bed Bath & Beyond and Walmart and your margins are a lot thinner. So I decided 
while I was educating and developing my brand that I would only be a B to C uh, model and that I wasn't interested in being on shelves. I, I know how to put my product on a shelf and there's plenty of time for that. But I thought this is the time to uh, be able to work one-on-one -on -one with customers and develop this following and, uh, and, and real, a, a real study group. Like, when do you get that? I'm just not throwing it out on these shelves and seeing what people say and, oh, it doesn't work for me. It does, you know, because it doesn't work for everybody because they're not using it correctly. So if I go put it on the shelf at, um, you know, in Midtown, New York, and somebody takes it home and a week later says, yeah, it didn't do anything for me. Well, it didn't do anything because you weren't there. I wasn't there to guide you and tell you, I need you to use it every night, 10 milligrams a night before you go to bed and, you know, and to use it this way. And before you know it, within seven to 10 days, you're going to have a better sleep. Your circulation's going to be better. You're not going to feel your joints like you felt them anymore. It's going to round your edges. You're not going to be so stressed out during the day. You won't even know what's happening sometimes. But I was, I'm able to do that and work. And so I have built a customer base that, that grows. And what other industry is nowadays, especially with things, you know, companies like Amazon and everybody knocking people out, um, that you get to have this type of business where you have a core customer sort of a tribal base um, and you can build from it. So it's pretty exciting. So that's, that's kept me in business. Um, and now my extension um, is my next really big of moving my facility, uh, setting up the facility is my, is my next big feat in standing in front of me is, and, and hopefully at that point, um, I would love to have a space where everybody could come and see how it's, grown and extracted and made and tasted and uh and and i can continue that one-on-one -on -one, uh, idea with with the customers because I, I don't think we're going to leave this space of educating people for the next 100 years we've been we've been in prohibition for 100 years it's going to take at least 100 years to peel it back yeah wow so i'm hearing that one of the big difference makers for you is being able to give your your customers and uh, that individualized attention and kind of nurturing them along the journey of discovering how to use cannabinoids and and to make it feel safe and accessible because otherwise it's it's pretty much like a black hole in some way where. You know, if you don't know, if you haven't done your own research, if you haven't been your own cannabis scientist, um, you really don't know. Um, and it could be quite intimidating. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I hear that. I also want to, <laughs> I'm going to have a, a little bit of fun here, which is uh, my friend Aggie Panda in the chat, they said in all caps, so I'm going to do the dramatic reading or enactment okay. they said jesus what excuse me no you're my mom's age how 
So I, I just wanted to. That's awesome. to <laughs> and and she's laughing. Uh, they're laughing now. So um, okay. Um, I had yeah. So well, one 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 more question, and then we'll do the coaching. Which is, uh, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs, investors, business people, professionals that want to get into the cannabinoid product space, or even the broader industry? I get asked this question a lot, and and I and I, I knew you were going to ask it, um, and I thought, you know, I, I answer it the same every time, and I'm trying to figure out a different way to answer it, um, but I can't. So, it, and I was thinking, you know, I remember my father saying when I was young, uh, if you're, you know, if you're, you'll love it if you're good at it. So, or if you're good at it, you'll love it, right? So if you're really good at accounting and you, you know, if, if you love it, if you're good at it, you'll probably love accounting because that's what you're good at. So if you're, if you're good at something that makes sense in the cannabis space, like I, I think the problem you asked me is so many people have come and gone, um, you know, with product. Well, Mike, they weren't product people. Like I got my master's in painting and sculpture. Like my hands have touched, you know, I have wanted to create a product from the time I was five years old. You know, I mean, that's all I wanted. To, like I taste product. I taste for making something so somebody can own it whether they enjoy it or it makes them feel better, but that's my passion um, is creating it. But I, I have no, I'm not a service-based person. I have no desire to be. I mean, it's, I, I, I work with my, my customers one-on-one, -on -one, always with like, you know, holding up, we're both kind of holding the product in our hand, you know, to, so to say. So I would say that Definitely, whatever your passion is, if that's uh, setting up a restaurant or a cafe um, or um, back to accounting or legal or or like could be it could be something. One of the things I mean, obviously, we we don't use it anymore. But when this all happened, everybody talked about the the, the uh, gold rush. Right. And that. Um, now's the time in to, to get into picks and, and axes or picks and shovels, you know, and, and during the gold rush, Levi Strouds was what became like, you know, one of the most famous products from it. So there's so, so many ancillary items that we can do or, or services or products or things that you can do. So look at that, look, look at what's, what you're good at and then segue into the cannabis space there's so much room hey I, I don't know about you but i i still get i still laugh when i hear people say um have you missed the cannabis train and, and it's like are you out of your mind it hasn't even hasn't even the engine hasn't even been turned on yet we are just starting and so many people have come in they came in because they wanted to win the lottery 
let them come in and fail because they weren't in it for the real reason. They were in it to make money and get out and they realized they couldn't do it overnight. So they didn't make, they didn't make it past, you know, past first base. So just get in slowly, build it, build it, build it. And you'll, and you, you'll find your, your niche and it, it will be super exciting. There's so much more to it. The cottage industry in cannabis doesn't exist. We you mean by that? You know, like the, the, the cottage industry, sort of the artisan parts of it. You have, you have your dispensaries, you know, I'm back to sort of like the bro, you have your dispensaries and your bud tenders, but you don't, people like me, there's not enough of me, you know, out there making these sort of like these beautiful moments in cannabis that aren't, you know, it's not corporate, um, you know, sort of like, like the difference between like me, I'm like the William Sonoma versus the key foods, <laughs> you know, so that that's sort of the cottage industry and, and that still is there. I mean, that hasn't even been explored yet. You have auroras and canopies and, and those big, big cannabis companies, but where are the Chibani's? Yeah, I know. But so, so the whole, you know, that whole, you know, or the, the special batches or all that kind of stuff that that exists, that hasn't even started yet. So get in there, get your, you know, start getting excited about it when it starts, to, you know, in the next few years, we're going to really see legalization come in and it's going to be super exciting. All of the different ways we can start to infuse cannabis into, you know, liquids to foods to different smokables to all sorts of different and obviously um how about the whole research and development of i think you talked about at one point where we could start adding it and maybe we, we replace corn syrup or corn starch and we use hemp starch and that instead of um you know creating cancer we you know, prevent it. <laughs> so, or prevent diabetes. Wouldn't that be something? Yes, indeed. And um, a couple of things there I want to respond to. One, all this talk of product makes me really want to see some of your products. I'm hoping you could go, bring some to share with the folks and I can just keep chatting um, while you do that, which is two things that Jenny said that really I appreciate. And I, I say in my book, the cannabis business book, which is available on Amazon, that it's not too late. People have been asking me since 2016, is it too late? It's not too late. And as, as I was reminded again, with this election, I saw a spike in book sales that you know there's still new people coming in that aren't even going to pay attention to it until their state or their country goes legal so it's like you're still early today for anyone who's listening and considering getting into the industry it's still very early now that being said the the other thing that jenny said that i fully agree with and have a whole chapter in the book dedicated to this is you have to take a long-term approach. If you're thinking this is a quick buck or easy money or an in and out job, 
well, it, it will be in and out. You're gonna you're gonna fail quickly. You're gonna burn out quickly. And really, the folks that I've seen have any kind of success in this industry are people who have that same mindset and philosophy of what Jenny mentioned, which is taking a long-term approach, rolling with the punches, riding the wave, pivoting, adapting, adjusting, and having that bigger picture why, that real mission of service, not only to, to patients, but to humanity as a whole of, hey, I understand that a world in which hemp, cannabinoids, cannabis, marijuana, reefer, whatever you want to call it, is more integrated, is a healthier world. And yeah. so working towards that, you know, that's what ultimately will guide you to operate in a way that's going to resonate with people and offer value and, and allow you to succeed. At least those are my two cents. But anyway, I would love I'd love to see some of your products, Jenny. And feel free to respond. Yeah. Awesome. No, I was just gonna say for the people interested in getting into the industry um, and and the entrepreneurs out there, think of I give an analogy. Well, when I started the furniture company, I remember people saying, um, "Oh, don't do children's furniture. It already has been done." Um, so I'm gonna give an analogy. Think about uh, shoes. And if somebody, if you, if you love shoes and you want to design shoes and somebody says, oh, don't bother, shoes have already been designed and made, you know, don't, don't, don't bother doing that. And then you would say, oh, you're, you're right. There's, there's already shoes on the market. But then what if you came out with the most cool, innovative shoe ever and changed the whole, which happens all the time, right? I mean, not that, you know, that's that big of a deal, but I mean, you know, you, you see Crocs, like who would have thought Crocs? Like, <laughs> like really? Like, but, but there was a whole market for Crocs, right? And so same goes for shoes, same goes for cannabis. There, every shoe doesn't fit every cannabis user. So you are going to have a million different cannabis users. It's not one cannabis for one person. So you, there's so many products out there and so many services that we haven't offered yet for so many different types, just like shoes. Not one shoe is good for everybody. So, and you're gonna have different ages, different, different purposes for using those shoes, different demographics, different price range all of these different things that are going to come into it. So just think of cannabis exactly like the shoe industry or something. Um, anyway, that's, yeah, that's my, my two cents for people do not think that there's ever, even if, even if it is said and done, there's always room in the market to enter. Always. And so, it, so. You're, you're making me think I want to get a pair of hemp shoes. <laughs> There you go. There's the whole, there's a whole by the byproduct of, 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 of cannabis is, is soon to be explored. Um, this is my coconut oil, CBD infused coconut oil. Um, it's, it's awesome. You know, you can use it as, um, a moisturizer on your skin and your hair. 
Um, I use a teaspoon in my coffee and make a bowl of coffee in the morning, but I also use it in my herbal tea before I go to bed at night. For women, it's especially amazing because it really helps our digestive system and kind of tune and align all of our female organs. Um, it's, it's super awesome. But for men, uh, I've had a lot of my male customers say that really helps them, especially with their, a lot of men who work out and get like lower back pain, um, things like, uh, you know, discs and things like that, that bulge, it really helps inflammation and open up circulation. So it's, it's really awesome. Um, and then the olive oil, which is also both of these are what I was referring to earlier as MCT medium chain triglycerides. So it's when you mix CBD with an MCT, it's just sort of a home run for all of your, your, your organs and your tissue really, it absorbs it better. It's really important to have the right vehicle with your CBD. You want to be able to bring it into the body so that the body knows how to metabolize it and where to store it and how to use it. So very different. If you smoke something and hits the receptors in your brain or even CBD will kind of stay and float around maybe your lungs area. But when you ingest it, it slowly metabolizes over an hour to two hours. And the body being an endocannabinoid system wants to figure out where to use it. So it sort of doles it out little by little by little until it completely uses it up, which is why people who do THC edibles talk about uh, the, um, the, the second wave of getting high after they think that they've come off it because the body actually wants to use it. I heard a, a, a doctor say one time, isn't it curious how THC is the last uh, drug to leave the body for a, a drug test? It's because, and you know, cocaine or crack or heroin will leave faster than THC. It's because the body doesn't want to get rid of it. It wants to keep it because it's using it for reparative reasons. So I thought that amazing slant on drug tests. Um, so that's the, the two, my two oils, uh, coconut oil, olive oil. And then this is a, a gluten-free baking mix um, that has uh, isolate CBD in it. It's high hemp protein powder that's been added to it. Um, and I like that I'm not, you know, a celiac, but I, I like the fact of when I mix cannabis uh, instead of, I like the fact that the cannabis will break down faster than I need to break down the flour. So it's just, it absorbs easier into my body. It's, it's more gentle. So that's why I, I made a gluten-free baking mix and it's cacao chocolate, which is a antioxidant. So you have a whole lot of like a whole lot of goodness in it. Those are three um, products in my suite, but I have tinctures and topicals. Most of my products, if it's if it's a topical per se, it'll have a food element to it. So I'd have almond added or avocado, and those are things to help promote healing as well, functional medicine. Nice. And and where can people find your products? Where can people go? to to order some of these products which by the way i have that that olive oil at home and i, I think i need to pick up the uh, coconut oil i'm not sure if you had that uh last time we chatted 
in person, <laughs> you know. But anyway, well, where can people go to grab those products? Uh, you can go to my website, which is jennysbakedathome.com. So it's just www.jennysbakedathome.com. And, um, and, and sign up for my newsletter because a lot of times I'll send out like promotions that I'm doing for the month. Like the month of November, I will be um, showing people how to cook for the holidays and um, with, with my products. But I also do a, uh, a tincture that is great to add to liquids. So I'm gonna kind of explore CBD cocktails, which are really lovely, um, especially even if you have been drinking uh, and the, at the end of the night, it's nice to do a CBD cocktail because it helps reduce your hangover and open up the circulation and create more hydration. If you drink some water, it'll open up so you can absorb more of the water. So I'm going to just try to show people how to use CBD cocktails to decrease their, their holiday hangovers. <laughs> nice. I love that. All right, Jenny, I want to do a bit of coaching with you if you're open to it. And what that will look like, sound like is, you know, me asking you, what is your biggest business buzzkill or challenge today? And then I'll ask you more questions and hopefully get you a, some insight or, or closer to a breakthrough. So what, what comes to mind as a challenge or, or business buzzkill? I, I guess EBITDA maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm really, really in, in, in this industry, I'm really worn out with the shark tank mentality that people have, that they come in and they wanna know the bottom line and they wanna invest in you um, based on you know, your, your current sales or they, um, because you know, in this industry, you, one approach isn't the same as the other approach. We're constantly changing where um, some of us are laying a foundation that might take longer than other people um, so maybe our sales aren't where they need to be, but we know two to three years down the road when we lay the right foundation, that's where they will be. So I think that to me is the buzzkill is, you know, what are you doing right now? How can I get in and how can I, how can I demote you as fast as, so I think people in this industry don't sell out so fast, hold on, try to do your best to self-fund and self-raise or cobble it together but don't give it all up in the beginning you're going to regret it so that to me that's a major buzzkill that people see this industry as sort of a, like a shark tank episode so i'm hearing you know it's funny i i had i have a, a friend who's also a, a cbd processor or sorry hemp grower and processor in new york who comes from a tech background, tech entrepreneurship. And he says the same thing. He says, oh my goodness, the investors in this industry are sharks. They have no interest in helping the entrepreneurs or nurturing or supporting and actually doing what investors in, in more mature industries do. But they're just looking to, to get the most, you know, I'm not going to say greedy, but the most favorable terms for themselves possible. And you know, if you're the operator, good luck to you. 
Um, so, you know, yeah. it's I, I've definitely heard that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for it. Yeah, that, the support group is so needed right now. You know, <laughs> to, to hear that you're not alone because these conversations can just be, they can be exhausting. And you think, you know, I'm, did I say something wrong? You know, did I not tell you I've been doing this for six years and, and you know, put my sweat and my every dime back into it and done all of the right things to get my licenses and, you know, head on, but it, it, you're right. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so it, it sounds like this is something you're coming up against today or, you know, in, in you know, this is like a current thing for you. I'm guessing you're fundraising or, or maybe looking for potential capital partners and, you know, have been not getting the support you're looking for. Is that right? Or I guess I'm trying, I'm trying to focus in on a specific challenge or, or roadblock. Yeah. I, I try not to, in my head, think too far. I mean, I'm a big thinker, you know, I, but um, I, I try not to think too far ahead, but I, I've thought about, because I, you know, like I've done a lot of panel discussions and I've spoken on Capitol Hill to, you know, California. And I think, you know, fast forward five years from now, what would I tell people? How did, how did I hold on to the equity in my company? How did I keep going? Um, because there have been moments that I didn't think there was any way that I could make a facility happen in upstate New York. And so, yes, I've looked for investors and the same thing, major greed has come in. I mean, people have asked, you know, we want 70% of the company, you know, like things like that, not, not a little ask. Or they come in and want to do some engineer drawings that take 10% of the company, you know, like ridiculous, you know, just real ridiculous asks. But there are so many ways to, to stay in business and to skin a cat. And I forgot that. Um, and a lot of times it's, you know, no means on <laughs> and tenacity, you know, just get up and, and put your pants on and figure out how to do it. So I could not get the capital to get a facility um, and, and to start the operations. But right when COVID hit up, I went back to a, a landowner that I was very interested in the property and I offered a, a, a lease to own deal. And obviously commercial real estate right now is not the most popular thing. Um, if you've got a house in upstate New York, you've just tripled your investment. But, um, but so I happened to be in a good place. So I was, I was stable. So I think, um, and little by little, I'm beginning to understand that you don't, you don't have to have the investment yet. Yes, I would love to I have somebody come in and give me a fair offer and to partner with me, whether that's smart or dumb money. Um, but in the interim, I figured out how to continue to build it and to cobble it together. And, and thankfully, I have five years of great sales and, um, and good core customer base. So, so I was frustrated for a while, but now I'm actually thankful that the industry you know, they were such assholes. So it just made me, it just made me react to it and say, you know, no, no means on, you know, watch this. <laughs> oh, I, I love that story. I love the, the, 
the creativity, the grit, and, you know, the, you know, being opportunistic and, and being innovative and clever and seeing, okay, what's another way? If this path isn't working, you know, what's the other path? What's the next path? Um, I'm a little frustrated now, just kidding, that, you know, it doesn't say, like, you you gave me a, a solved problem, it sounds like, but that's okay, because um, I think it, it's, it's worth it to share that story and to give that example for, for folks that might be um, in a similar predicament or, or, you know, might be frustrated that things aren't going as planned or as they perhaps should be. Um, but, you know, it's funny because just like in your story, you know, the things not going to plan turn into a different opportunity, right? So um, I guess I'm wondering then, you know, what, what was your biggest, what was your biggest takeaway from, from that? Or um, what's the, what's the lesson in there about you? Well, I, I think, thank you. I think that it, in a world of, and, and listen, I think Amazon's awesome. Don't get me wrong. In my last company, Amazon, I, I was one of Amazon's first furniture companies. I, they were a wonderful company to work with, but in where things have sort of morphed and where, you know, sort of online stores are becoming these sort of monopolies and conglomerates and, and everything is sort of seems, you know, mom and pop shops are kind of closing and it's kind of scary a little bit. I think it's important that people like me and there are so many other people listening um, that are entrepreneurs and innovators and creative stay, stay the course because we are a country of that. If we don't, this country is just going to be black and white and gray. Not to say those aren't my favorite colors, but um, being a New Yorker, but, um, but that, you know, we, we I, I need to champion this for other women. I need to champion this for other entrepreneurs. I have to say that if nobody's gonna, a bank isn't gonna give me a loan, if if an investor isn't gonna help me or, or is gonna try to take too much, that it's not gonna take me out of business. I am going to, I'm going to stay in business and I'm going to figure out a way to do it because that's what makes this country so great. And we get opportunity and we're not gonna allow uh, that to stop us from, from creating new products out there and, and also not, and I also think that back to the cannabinoid uh, Department of Health program is I do think that they're, and I don't know, and this could be naive, that they are going to give the people that have worked really hard in this state the opportunity before the, the, the big wigs come in. And so maybe at least we have an opportunity. Now, that could be a bit naive. In the end, it's all about bottom line and dollar and all that kind of stuff. But um, I do think that the cannabis space is is giving some sort of some sort of leeway to the people that have been trying to break through in the industry. So, all right. I don't know if I answered your question. 
I don't know either, but that's okay because I've had such a wonderful time chatting with you today, Jenny, and I appreciate you for taking the time to, to join me on the show and share your story. And I wish you nothing but continued growth, continued health, luck, success, and all the good stuff so that you can keep doing what you're doing, keep innovating, and keep helping patients and people to discover all the powers of cannabinoids. And so thank you so much for, for joining thank me here today. Thank you for the work you do. Very good. Oh, psh, yeah. what I, you know, yeah. I'm just having fun. <laughs> it, it, all, it all means something in the end. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. My pleasure. You Thanks, too. Jenny. Have a great Bye. day. Thank you. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is the cannabis business coach. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is. Hi, Mike Z is the cannabis business coach.